and hello and welcome once again to First Time Long Time. I'm Nathan Chen, Loud City, along with my co-hosts. I'm uh, Roman. And Talerski. And uh, we are live talking about talking about the World Series and taking a look around uh, all the other leagues here. Uh, NBA is about to start. Football season's well underway. Tank for Tua. And, uh, and, uh, and hockey season's getting underway as well. Jack Hughes dropping a goal. We'll be talking about all this and much more. But, uh, boys, you know me. Uh, I really want to start with the World Series. This is, this is a very exciting time uh, for me as a Nationals fan. I mean, first time in, what, 86 years uh, that, 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 we're, that we're even in the dance. And 30, you know, I was, I was, reading, I was reading an article about, uh, you know, a Dodgers fan complaining about how he was the most tortured fan as the most tortured fan base in all of baseball, and it's like, dude, at least you had a team. We didn't have a team for 33, 34 years. And before that, we had a terrible team. You know what they used to say? Um, the, the, Washington was like first, first in war, first in peace, and, la- and last in the American League. So it, it's just been a crescendo of excitement, these playoffs, and I'm really excited about it. I'm sorry to say though, I think you're 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 probably gonna end up sad. I think probably, yeah. No, it's it's been really great to see. Um, there's been some magic in the Nats clubhouse. There's been a lot of great energy here in the district lately. Um, but Astros Nationals, it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be serious. I think we got the two best pitching staffs um, in the playoffs here uh, in the World Series, which you know pitching wins your championships. And um, there's gonna be some really intriguing matchups uh, when you're looking at the pitchers that they have, and I honestly think pitching wise it's kind of close. I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say the Astros are that much better. I I can't say the Astros are that are that much better, but just objectively looking at I I I couldn't point to a pitcher better than Garrett Cole this season. Oh, I nope. mean, just the num the numbers that he's putting up the strikeout rate. It, it's insane. They have not lost one of his starts since May, and that's that's any challenge. Go ahead. I'll be honest. I thought going with the the bullpen game in Game Six for the Astros was a weird choice, yeah. especially after the rain delay. Like Cole is like ready to go, mm-hmm. but now he can pitch Game One, Game Four, and Game Seven <laughs> if need be. Yeah. So like I think it worked out in the end. It was a gamble. I'm a big believer in win today, but like that that's gonna be tough if he can pitch significant innings in three games yeah it'll be interesting to see how he operates on short rest i'm i'm not sure if he's done that in in these playoffs this no. year but uh but it's gonna be crucial for the nationals to get to him on short rest if he does end up pitching three games because i kind of lined it up as okay cole will get two, verlander will get two, granky will get two, and then they'll they'll kind of figure out the last game so i kind of thought okay we have to get to Granky twice and we have to get to Verlander once early because he he is prone to the long ball mm-hmm. we saw that in game five so Justin Verlander I think is probably the second best pitcher in this in this series but he's not he's not completely invincible I, he's more like he's Garrett more Cole. beatable for yeah, sure definitely um and I think he's he's shown that but if you I mean if you let him settle in you got to get him in the early innings oh, yeah. if you let him settle in he's gonna go seven Strike out ten and yep. maybe give up one run. Because here's the thing: I, how many pitchers are there where it's like, they, where where how many of these like really elite pitchers struggle 
the third time through the order. It always seems like we're talking about we have to get him at the top, right? We, you know, we had to get Clayton Kershaw at the top. We had to j- hit Jack Flaherty hard. And even for, for the Nationals themselves, you have to hit Scherzer hard early. You have to hit Strasburg hard early. Uh, that's, that's what you saw play out in the wild card game and in game five of the DS. So, yeah, if we, if we let these elite pitchers settle into a rhythm, then that, that's trouble, especially, especially, given, uh, especially given Houston's lineup. I, I could not point to a weak spot on it. Yeah. No, I agree. But I do think, you know, like we've been saying, you know, they're beatable. You know, the Rays pushed the Astros to five games, and I think I feel better about a Max Scherzer-Garrett Cole matchup as opposed to a Garrett Cole-Tyler Glass now matchup. You know, that's we got it. Looking at the Nationals pitching staff, they definitely match up better and have the ability to match zero after zero with these pitchers. I'm going to be very interested to see what Davey Martinez is doing with the bullpen. We saw some really interesting looks, some Corbin out of the bullpen, then starting a couple of days later. Um, you know, this is the World Series time. Gimmicks aren't going to work. You need a you need to trust your your guys. And we were seeing great results out of Doolittle and Hudson. But all season long, they've been very hot and cold. So if they can ride that out, that's a big plus for them. But I think when you're going against these pitching staffs, when you need to have your, your starters going late in the games, you're not going to be able to be pulling Corbin out of the bullpen. Uh, maybe Anibal Sanchez later in the series after he pitches game four, I would assume. Um, but I definitely am very interested because I, I definitely think I think the starters are close, pretty close, honestly. But the bullpens, you got to give no, it to the Astros. You, you, you do. And uh, I think the the strategy that the Nationals have been using all postseason is one that looks very similar to the one that uh, last year's Red Sox used. And Tulerski could speak a little bit more to it, but uh, I think that the the trick is that you still have to have two or three relievers get hot. And obviously, you tab Doolittle and Hudson as those top two. But Tanner Rainey is a guy that if he continues pitching the way he has this postseason then we might we might have a fighting chance because Tanner Rainey can throw gas. He throws 100, 101 fastballs and slider sliders down and away. Like he's as long as he has his command, because he's been prone to walks all year. But in the playoffs, thirteen strikeouts, two walks. As long as he keeps that up, we might just have a puncher's chance. Yeah, I think to go back to Patrick Corbin, he was making people look silly with his changeup. Um, <clears throat> in his last outing, he had like six strikeouts on the exact same pitch. In the dirt to righties, just <laughs> every single time the same pitch, and like if you if you're in the zone like that, like anything can happen, yeah. and that's kind of how I feel with this. Is like we are we're past the point of like I want to say they're still the Nationals, so like but but here's the thing is now like they're still the Nationals, which means I have no clue what's gonna happen. <laughs> We've never seen this before. We've never seen this before. This is completely uncharted waters. <laughs> There have been a lot of playoff demons exercised in this in, in this playoff. We 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 got past the Dodgers. We won a single elimination against the Brewers, and sweeping the Cardinals was honestly more sweet than any of those any of those other series. Personally, for me, just I might still have biweekly night terrors about Daniel Descalso and Pete Cosma. I'm they they might still happen, but I can wake up in the morning knowing that it's okay. And and we finally got past them, finally got past the original demons. And so, no matter how the season ends, I will be I will be satisfied and fulfilled at the end of it. If we lose, will I be sad? Yes. But will I be angry? 
that's hard. That's hard to be angry at this team. So I, I think that I think that no matter what, it was it was a very successful season. And uh and right now I think that odds I think the odds of the Astros winning are like I think Vegas has it at like minus two thirty five or something like that. But I it's it's hard to bet against these nationals. It's hard to bet against a group of guys that don't strike out, work the count, get on base, steal, you know, all these traditional things that we kind of throw by the wayside. And, and again, starting pitching is another element of that. I think it's real hard to bet against these Nationals. And and you got some guys hot. Rendon's been hot. Soto has been amazing this postseason. Howie Kendrick, NLCS MVP. These guys have been, you know, hitting like we we all thought they would hit. Um, we knew there was definitely a chance that, you know, they would come out a little slow. But, no, these guys came out of the gate ready to hit ready to play, um, and, you know, they've been hitting some good pitchers. They they couldn't really touch Walker Bueller, no. but <laughs> they definitely were able to touch up Kershaw. They definitely touched up Jake Flaherty. Um, all, you know, they've been able to get runs across, and while, yes, Cole, like, beating Cole and, Ver- Cole and Verlander are going to pitch five times this series. I don't know exactly how Game 7 will work out, if that will be a bullpen or a start or something, but they're going to pitch five games this series. That means you have to beat them at least twice. Yeah. Um, that's not easy. No. But... You know, it's the World Series. Not everybody can be, you know, a Randy Johnson. You know, obviously Astros fans are looking for this to be a Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling, uh, Diamondbacks type World Series where Cole and um, and Verlander uh, pitch him to victory. But, you know, th- stranger things have happened. I, I got to jump in here, and uh, I, I'm really glad that you brought up that Diamondbacks team, actually, because um, I read an article that, Basically, Mike Rizzo, the general manager of the uh, of the Nationals, he was with the Diamondbacks at that time, and uh, sort of came up as a scout through the Diamondbacks. And he always talked about how he tried to build a team just like that, just like the '01 team. And we probably thought of the Yankees in '01 as they as the, you know this dynasty, this this almost impossible force to beat because they they've won back to back to back, right? And so. If you look at the makeup this of the, of this team, it's very very mm. similar to the Diamondbacks. You have two. Okay, I can't really put Strasburg on the same level as Randy Johnson and you know that <laughs> other guy, but <laughs> but but two candidate for um, can't, can't, candidate for candidate for Hall of in um, yeah. Arizona. Yeah, um, you can't really put up Strasburg compared to those other guys. But the whole point is that you have two veritable aces and you have a veteran lineup that works counts they work counts they stay patient they stay in the fight and and uh they won't they won't quit because they're veteran players they know that it's a long game there there are always opportunities and so i think that's sort of what you're seeing out of this national team is riding those top two arms and a veteran lineup to try and help them have success yeah i I definitely see it beat a chance. I think, I I think what I can tell you, I don't know how it's going to end up as a series. Uh, I guess we could throw around predictions for how it's going to finish. I can tell you it's not going to be a quick series. I'm thinking it's going to be six or seven games, no matter what way it goes. Um, and it's gonna there's going to be some entertaining moments along the way. Um, both these teams are they they want it. Obviously the Nats have never won one. They want it, but you know. The Astros, having won a couple years ago, they're still hungry. They're still young. They oh, still yeah. know this window's open for them. They got guys like Cole who still haven't won one. You know, mm-hmm. it's a different group, um, and they're they're gonna want to go all the way. So I think my 
If if you if you told me, Roman, you got to make a choice. Um, I got to say, I think it's going to be Astros and six. Astros and six. Um, not that is that is that who, I'm going to be rooting for the Nationals. Nathan and I are probably going to be going um, out and about to watch some oh, games. Yeah. For um, sure. And for we'll sure, be sure. we'll be chanting for the looking for a curly W. But I think. I, I, I want to say Nats, but I just think the Astros are going to have it in the end. My 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 brain says the Astros. Uh, just across the board, the, it seems like it seems like they're better uh, in most every facet of the game. My mind says Astros. My heart says Nationals. There, every time I've expected something to go wrong or go bad this this postseason, it just hasn't been the case, you know, and. Uh, I'm seeing a I see a lot of similarities between this run. I can't I, I feel like I can't verbalize it, but I, I, I do see a lot of similarities between this run and the Caps run in eighteen, you know. Uh the the fluky bounce that Trent Grisham couldn't field in the wild card game, very similar to Lars Eller's fluky bounce in the first round against Columbus, you know. Howie hitting the grand slam, Kuzi scoring the goal to beat Pittsburgh, uh and then and then dominating the dominating the championship series, I. I hate I hate hearing team destiny. I hate that kind of stuff because, you know, ninety nine times out of hundred Goliath beats David, but there's that one. And if it's if there's gonna be a time, it has to be now. These Nationals are the oldest team in the league. They know that these chances don't come around. So, I I I have to say Nationals in seven. I have to. All right. I, I I I like the way you put that. Um, I think now let's move uh, around uh, to some different sports. Um, let's um. You guys want to talk some NBA? Yeah. Um, season's getting ready to go. Um, a little bit of a it has been a paradigm shift this off season. Um, oh no, Roman the Warriors fan doesn't is experiencing parody in the league for the first time. What is he gonna do? Um, I'm not afraid. Uh, I'm not worried. I'm not scared. Uh, I think, I think the. I mean, it's always been a bloodbath, but I think the Western Conference this year is really just going to be beating each other up, and there's going to be a lot of good options out there uh, for people you could pick. I think the Warriors cannot be ruled out. They still have a good team. Um, we saw D'Angelo Russell and Steph Curry play well together in the preseason, which that's really what it's going to come down to is if Russell and Curry can bridge the gap till Clay comes back, and then if the three of them can coexist in the court and uh, play defense. That's what's really gonna matter because Clay and Draymond are great defenders. Curry and D'Lo, not so much. Um, <laughs> well, and well, yes. And um, but there's gonna be some tough. The Clippers look good. Um, they're gonna obviously Leonard and George are a good deal. Although I think George is hurt right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Lakers. Uh, Anthony Davis has looked dominant in the preseason. They seem to really be making Davis the focal point. Uh, moving away from LeBron, which is honestly the best move for them, because um, you gotta save LeBron for the playoffs. Um, and the fact of the matter is last season showed that LeBron can no longer take a team by himself. Yep. And that's just a fact of aging. Um, mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's a lot of these, there's, you know, obviously, so all the lights are going to be on the Lakers and the Clippers, the Warriors, the Rockets, to see how yeah. Russell Westbrook and James Harden coexist, which I do not not think they will, but they've done it before. Um, but I think there's these little teams that, um, need to get a little more respect. The, the Nuggets and the Jazz are the two that jump out to me the most. As the Nuggets, number one seed last year, uh, brought two. number two seed. Number two. Number two seed last year, bringing back the same core. Um, Jokic is a monster in the middle. Um, 
I, I really they're they're a very complete team. Um, they brought in Grant, I'm pretty sure, from the Thunder. Uh, that's a big move for them. The Jazz traded for Mike Conley. Um, should transform their offense because he's the same. In my mind, he's a similar type of uh, facilitator to Ricky Rubio. Probably not as good as Rubio, but very close and a much better shooter. Ooh, yeah, Ricky Rubio and cannot def- put the ball and, and defender. Um, and then you and you add that to Donovan Mitchell. You add that to Rudy Gobert. You add that to Bogdanovich, who they just brought in. Um, Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles, my love. Um, <laughs> I think that I think it's going to be a very crowded top of the Western Conference, and you know, obviously, you know, we're not even talking about Portland. We're not even talking about teams like that. That New Orleans. N- I think people are sleeping on Zion Williamson here. True. Um, but so I think the Western Conference is going to be a bloodbath. Um, Eastern Conference. Yeah. I don't want to jump in on that. Um, well, I mean, Brooklyn is going to be without Durant. Um, and Kyrie, as Celtics fans might know, um, isn't really capable of being the number one guy. <laughs> He's also just a crazy person. <laughs> so, like, I don't, like, they could be good. They could also just crash and burn. Um, I I mean, without even without Leonard, I think the Raptors could still be solid. They mm-hmm. always are. Um, the Celtics, even losing Kyrie, I feel like they're going back to, like, more of the Isaiah Thomas kind of team where you don't necessarily have a superstar and you can have Brad Stevens run his offense that works. Um, I think I think that'll be good. I'm kind of excited to have Kemba Walker around um, to see see how that cur- turns out. Um, and having having a player with staunch principles like Enos Cantor, um, unlike some Lakers players uh, mm-hmm. who don't, um, I think that's... Serve commercial interests. <laughs> yes, that's kind of refreshing, and I think it's pretty cool to have him around. So... I think the Celtics. The Celtics will be fun to watch. I think. I don't know if they're going to make a whole lot of noise, but um, if Gordon Hayward can be as good as he can be, they they could really be a big big power in the East. I'm looking at these teams in the East right now, and they're wow, they're they're garbage. I I I honestly don't don't know how else to put it. But one team that I want to look for is Atlanta. I think that Atlanta is. They're kind of the model for build right now for building a real young team out out of the ground. They've got some real nice pieces. Tr- get getting Trey Young, uh, obviously I, I think he's due for improvement. John Collins, ton of potential, uh, and then they had a very strong draft. Adding Cameron Reddish and DeAndre Hunter in the same draft that you you have a core in place. And given given how just god awful the rest of the East is, like. I could see Atlanta, the the Hawks, you know, a a seventeen win team last year, or however games, however many games they won. I could see them even sneaking into the playoffs. And looking at some of these, looking at some of these other teams, you know, Charlotte, Cleveland, the Knicks, uh, they're 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 going to be garbage. <laughs> the, my beloved Washington Wizards losing losing Steve Buckhands, finally dumping Ernie. They're going to be garbage this year, but this is this was long overdue. Um, yeah, I think I think Atlanta might be able to make some noise. Uh, Philadelphia is another team looking really long in the front court there with Al Horford and Joel Embiid. That's that's uh, that's it's going to be interesting to see how they play that. But defensively, if they reach their full potential, they they could they could be a force in that East. Uh, Indiana is another team we're sleeping on. I think the Bucks are due for some regression after kind of investing in Eric Bledsoe and letting Malcolm Brogdon walk to the Pacers too. I I think that 
I think that Indiana could be could be in for a pretty big season in the East. Yeah, with Oladipo come back back healthy and Oladipo uh, Brogdon backcourt, that 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 you got the defense and the offense right there, um, and for they sure. can lead a team. Um, I definitely agree with your Hawks take. Um, the Hawks remind me a lot about when the Warriors were coming up, how they were building through the draft. And, you know, the Warriors, before they went all the way, they really cut their teeth playing teams like the Spurs in the playoffs. And I think that's what the Hawks uh, are going to be looking for. But NBA season starting up uh, this week or next. Um, the, other, the other season that just started up uh, is the NHL. Uh, we're all big hockey guys in here. Um, and we all have uh, – we're all fans of teams that could make some noise this year. I say could because the Sharks have been <laughs> – very disappointing so far this this season, but they they seem to be coming out of it. Um, three wins since they last since they signed Patrick Marlowe. Yep. I'm just saying correlation equals causation. Um, but I think we all know the Sharks are are too good to be that bad. But you know when you're looking in the in the Western Conference, they, there's some good teams. The Vegas Golden Knights with Mark Stone for the whole year with Mark Andre Fleury still in the in the goal. They still have these studs. They still have guys like Carlson. They are the team to beat, right, in my mind, in the Western Conference. But that's not even counting the Avalanche. That's not even counting, you know, teams that are really good. Um, that I think the Western Conference in recent years has kind of been uh, wide open in a way that everybody was kind of on the same tier. Now yeah. there's, it's wide open, but it's because teams are jumping up a tier. Mm-hmm. And um, that's going to be good to see in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, obviously the Blues going for a repeat this year. Um, they're still a strong team, and there's just going to be a lot of options that I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing once these divisions start uh, coming out. These are some weird hockey standings that I'm looking at right now. Buffalo and Edmonton are division leaders, and, and they – and I I can never trust Buffalo. No. Like, no. They're, they're frauds. So <laughs> is Edmonton. I mean, I mean, poor Connor McDavid. Like, I, I, I certainly hope that Edmonton – can sustain their success, but it, it'll be difficult for them. Uh, lo- again, looking around the league, yeah, Ve- like you said, Roman, Vegas Vegas is a very strong team team to beat, probably in the West. And San Jose, I think, is I think they're too talented to be, be stuck where they are right now. But um, something that's very interesting that I think I think is for real is Carolina. Mm. I think the Hurricanes, I, I kept saying it last year, they're a young team. They're a speedy team. They're offensively, they're very skilled, and I think we're starting we're starting to see more and more of it this season. They they will represent a formidable foe for anybody. Yeah, I mean, you can see the Lightning got have gotten off to a bit of a slow start, but mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to last very long. Yeah. Um, I think in the East it's, it's going to be the Bruins again. Uh, they still have all of the pieces in place. Um, they've got a bunch of young young guys coming up. Um, I think uh, they. I mean, the last two games they lost in a shootout to Tampa and then in overtime to Toronto. So that's not ideal. You'd like to win those, but mm-hmm. still get a point out of them. Um, and I could definitely see down the stretch um, them going on a tear like they did last year. They had a twenty-game point streak uh, in, Jan- in January and February. Um, something like that happening um, definitely is possible, um, and it could always happen for any team. But I think the the Atlantic is probably um, Bruins, Toronto, and Tampa again, yep. um, and it'll be interesting to see who can who can come out of the Metro unscathed. The Metro is a bloodbath, like it always is. Uh, you know, obviously 
obviously you expect you know, Pittsburgh, Washington, uh, to to maintain that level of success. You know, any team coached by John Tortorella, I think, I think they're they're you know they're going to be fundamentally sound, even if they don't have all the talent in the world, which the Blue Jackets don't have. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're still they're still a team that you can't overlook. Uh, same deal with Barry Trotz and the Islanders. They had, they had a pretty impressive run last year, I thought. Uh, and then you know throwing in the uh, the top two draft picks, Jack Hughes and Capo Caco into the division, uh, and Carter Hart. Wow, he's he's been lights out for the Flyers. So I I literally just ran off all the Metro teams and how they have positive aspects. And and I. It happens every year. It happens every year. The Metro teams beat up on each other, and yeah. then you see the top tiers in the Atlantic. You see Tampa Bay, Boston, Toronto. You know, kind of, kind of coasting a little bit because you know they play in a division with Ottawa and Detroit. Yeah. Some of the some of the not so great teams, and so the Metro is going to be a bloodbath like it always is. And you know, I do think though, going back to Buffalo a little bit, I don't think I I don't I, they are going to drop off. That's for sure. They're not going <laughs> to win the Atlantic. That's just a fact. But you know, last year they, they showed some signs that they were, you know, coming out of it. Hutton's a really good goalie. I don't think he's going to be playing all-worldly like it has been. But, you know, you got a guy like Eichel. You have goal scorers like Skinner. Like, this is a team that is is young, is on the come up. And I could see them competing for a wild-card spot this year. Um, you know, last year, I, 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 now, granted, I said the exact same thing last year, and they <laughs> fell off a cliff. But I think they have all the pieces to contend. Contend is a strong They're word still for in the Buffalo, Buffalo Sabres. Still at Will Shanahan. <laughs> um, yes, they are still in Buffalo. You're right. Um, you have anything more yeah, you want to add there? I, I was just going to say that contend is a strong word for Buffalo this year. But um, remember at one point last year, Buffalo led the league in points. It was like oh, I do. Uh, it was like a third of the way through the season. And at probably around that same time, St. Louis was the worst team in the league. It, it's amazing to see how these teams can, how these teams in the NHL can have a turnaround, both positive and negative, and so, um, and so, yeah, it, I, 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 I can't lie. I really do discount these early season. Oh yeah, there's returns no. because, because, right around right around March or April is when you really start to see, you know, the the true the true bona fide contenders sort of separate from the pack a bit. Yeah, I, none of these results mean anything except Ottawa is still the worst team in the league. Oh, so um, that's that's not changing. Um, but one final sports change. We're we're hitting up all the major sports today on the pod. Um, a look at the NFL where um, it's what are we week seven now? Yeah, week um, seven. results are kind of stabilizing. You know the the we're starting to see who the contenders are starting to see who the playoff teams might be, and um, you're looking at at three of the more interesting teams in the league. Uh, being represented by fans in this room with the two undefeated teams and one of the top tankers. Um, yeah, I was going to say interesting <laughs> isn't the word I would go with. Uh, yeah, it, it's painful. It's painful having a team owned by Daniel Snyder. It's painful playing in a nuclear radioactive waste dump. And it's painful to have no direction. You know, at least Miami has a direction. They have about 13 picks in the next draft. I, I don't know how many we have. Uh, it's tough. It, it, it's a tough time for football. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry for you. But I'll throw this over to Tulerski. Obviously, the Patriots are looking good this season, um, and you can talk about that. But I do want, want to wonder, do you, are you concerned at all by Buffalo? No. Okay. <laughs> Why would I be? They, they're they're looking have, good. They don't have an offense. No, they've they can't score. 
That was the close that the Buffalo game is the closest game the Patriots have played, and Buffalo could only score ten points. Like, it's not. I I honestly right now what what's today like October eighteenth nineteenth, October twentieth October twentieth right. Patrick Mahomes going down not good for the Chiefs. Even with Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs have not looked great. No. Um, Houston Texans are the Houston Texans. <laughs> Don't look great. <laughs> Jacoby Brissett in uh, Indianapolis, good quarterback. They got a lot of holes. Um, it's, I don't know. The yeah. AFC will run through Gillette Stadium I, once I again. S- I see your sly smile My on your smirk. Face. Your smirk of Boston sports privilege. <laughs> it's, I, who in the, I mean, who in the AFC can beat them? If, if you, anyone rolls into Gillette in January, who can beat them? I don't think it's anyone. There's, there's an outside chance that it's Baltimore, but just because Baltimore's like, defense is garbage. Just yeah, I was gonna say just because like I just don't see anybody else being able to do that. Like this, this Patriots team is a machine, and I think that they're very reminiscent of the old Patriots teams that relied on defense, and mm-hmm. that's what that's probably what they need to be doing. You know, as their as their receiving court might be a little bit weaker than you know the teams in like 07 or or 10 or or yeah. something like that and and as their running game grows stronger as well so i i looking at the AFC i just don't really see a scenario where where new england doesn't walk into the super yeah. bowl and there's been i mean there's been some injuries on the offensive line Marcus Cannon and Isaiah Wynn but if they can come back and like shore up that line like the playoffs last year we saw that the patriots will run the ball to mm-hmm. win a game, um, and then when Tom Brady's got a throw, he's still Tom Brady, um, and I don't think that his precipitous decline is not happening this season. So, um, <laughs> the rumors of his death are greatly exaggerated. <laughs> yeah, no, I it, it's the Patriots are going to be in the Super Bowl against who we'll have to see, but um, I think that's that's something that I think lots of people are unhappy about, but it's definitely going to happen. Yeah. Okay. So. Enough about the Patriots. Let's switch gears to the more interesting conference, uh, the NFC. We're seeing we're seeing some pretty interesting teams being led defensively. I think Green Bay and New Orleans, uh, those they're division leaders in the North and the South respectively, and those those defenses look very solid. I I'd mentioned this before, but I I don't think Mike Pettin gets nearly enough credit as a defensive coordinator for the Packers. I think. He's, he's done a tremendous job and has always been a really good NFL coach. I mean, being a head coach and taking the Browns to 7-9, and nine, that's an accomplishment. Look at the Browns now. They've got so much talent in their 2-4. and four. So, so, so Mike Pettin really being underscored here, and I think they're starting to see the returns pay off with their younger guys, especially in the secondary, Kevin King and Jair Alexander, so, some of the better corners. Uh, in the league, and so I think Green Bay is a team to watch out for. And you know, Green Bay and New Orleans, two teams not really known for their defenses, no. but this year the defense is picking up, and they can still score the ball. You know, you still have Aaron Rodgers. Right now, Breeze is hurt, but he's not out for the year. Breeze, one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the league, even as he's getting older. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater's been holding down the fort, um, for sure. Um, and those two teams, you know, I def- I also think um, a team like Carolina. Led by Christian yeah. McCaffrey, um, I think they, they they have a chance. Wonder who they're led by at QB. <laughs> you have to, I think you have to ride Kyle Allen. You have to ride the hot hand. I don't know. I feel like a an 
a 100% Cam Newton versus a 100% Kyle Allen, I still give it to Cam Newton. You do. But a hobbled Cam Newton versus 100% Kyle Allen, you got to keep Allen in there. You, you sh- He's shown enough where they can rehab Cam Newton as much as he needs. I don't exactly know how much he needs, but uh, Allen's been keeping him afloat. And when you have a back like McCaffrey who's out there for 90-something percent of the snaps and doesn't seem to be wearing down and can catch passes out of the backfield and make these long runs, that that's – I'm not going to say MVP season because I think the MVP is going to come out of Seattle, in my opinion, at, at, so far, at, so at this far. point. Um, you know, halfway, we're almost halfway through the season. I think Russell Wilson is for sure the MVP. Um, but I don't think we can rule out the Panthers. Mm. But um, speaking about Wilson, um, this will be last little thing we'll talk about here. NFC West looking interesting. You know, the Rams, the Rams kind of smacked people around the last couple years, but we were talking about earlier, they've regressed. And that was bound to happen at some point. But the Niners and the Seahawks, two very good teams. The Niners, another team not known for their defense, mm-hmm. who have really shown up this year. We knew they had the potential. When you have a defensive line led by Buckner, led by Bosa, led by D Ford, you know, linebackers led by Quan Alexander, um, this is this this team had the potential and they're really showing that they that they're they're living up to it. And coming to the year, everyone was a little afraid of the secondary, but Richard Sherman continues to be a lockdown corner. And we've been seeing, and Verrett got hurt, uh, but we've been seeing results from guys like um, Jimmy Ward and people that you didn't expect that 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 have been earning the trust that the team put in them. And then they've just been getting some ground and pound going. They've really been running the ball well. Um, one of the best running back cores in the league. I'm a, I'm still a little scared because the fact of the matter is the teams that they've been playing have not been the best teams in the league, <laughs> and they're gonna run in run into some some tough foes. And I'm. I I I'm I'm hoping they beat the Redskins, but uh, Me too. We'll, we'll we'll see how this sounds when this podcast comes out. But um, the Seahawks Niners game is gonna be fun to watch. I think I think it's great to have the Seahawks and the Niners back in a rivalry for the league. Like thir- 13, 14, 12. Those were those were some those were those were exciting games. Uh, very physical bloodbaths every time. And I think something that's a little underscored is that they're doing it without household names. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Russell Wilson, like we're expecting MVP things out of him. But you look at you look at their their skill positions, right? Look at, you mentioned that the Niners have one of the best running back cores in the league. But if you but the casual fan, you know, might not know who Matt Breda or Raheem Mostert are. Go, going looking at Seattle, Chris Carson, not necessarily a household name. You know, Tyler Lockett, and they're winning with these guys, and that shows that they they have a culture that they buy into and Kyle Shanahan Kyle Shanahan's done a fantastic job with the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo I think he's something like 12 and 2 or 13 and 2 in this in the starts that he's had with San Francisco uh that's a culture that (laughs) that's a culture that has left the uh building uh of the Washington football team (laughs) you know seeing Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur all have success guys that we just let walk right out the door in favor of Jay Gruden. Uh, I can't lie, it hurts. It hurts. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to be very interesting to see who comes out of NFC. AFC, Talerski, I'm, I'm liking your spot right now. Um, I, <laughs> He's got I, this stupid grin on his face. <laughs> um, so I think that's all for us here today. Um, obviously looking ahead, um, start of the NBA season, NHL season speeding up midway through the NFL season and the World Series. That's we're gonna have a lot to talk about when we come back next time. Um, yeah. All right. And with that, uh, thanks for listening. 
Uh, hope hope you tune in next time and uh, go Nats. <laughs> Thank you.